We started something. I, I tried my best to finish it. I just couldn't do it. And so I want to finish it up today. And last week we talked about the trap of fear, the drug of praise. And I want to continue that today. Amen. Let's open in prayer. Amen. Father, we just thank you so much for bringing us here together, getting us out of bed, getting us on our way, Lord, today. We just give you praise. We're so thankful, amen, for what you are doing and what you've done in our lives. We don't want to miss this moment to give you praise and thanks today, Lord. But also, Lord, as we get into the Word, I just pray that the Word does something in all of us today. That the Word that has life and it's medicine, it's like just this incredible surgical procedure that it does. There's something that happens in us, Lord. I pray that that happens in all of us today as we get into the word. I pray that people be encouraged, uh, strengthened in their faith, and leave this place saying, the Lord has met us. Amen. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. The trap of fear, the drug of praise. In, In John chapter 12, we read out of John chapter 12 and Proverbs 29. In John chapter 12, starting in verse 42, if you'll turn in your Bible or scroll on your device, um, verse 42 uh, this is actually a tremendous chapter. You can read the whole thing and, and even the, the verses after. But it, I just want to bring out this point about this. The Bible was, said that Jesus was teaching. He said there's a lot of people that believe in Jesus. And there's some people that didn't. And Jesus was aware of people that did not believe in him. And rejected him. He was very much aware of that. But in verse 42 of John chapter 12 he said. Yet at the same time many even among the leaders believed in him. Uh, even the Pharisees or the religious leaders. But because of the Pharisees, because of the religious leaders, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. Verse 43, for they loved human praise more than the praise from God. King James says the praise of men more than the praise of God. Why were they afraid? Because in John chapter 7 and John chapter 9, you'll read that they were told that if anybody acknowledges Jesus, you will be put out of the synagogue. So they were afraid of that. They were already aware of that. And so because the Bible says of fear, right, they did not acknowledge Jesus but it gives a reason that they love the praise of men more than they love the praise from God. And then in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25, it says that the fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. That's Proverbs 29, 25. I believe that too many people live this kind of idea. They live that we exist to please people and serve God. But how many know the reality is we live to uh, please God and serve people? Amen. And we shouldn't get the two confused or your life's going to be a crazy train ride. Amen. But because I believe that the fear of man, as the Bible teaches, is a trap. It says it's a snare, a trap. The fear of man is a trap. But the praise of man is a drug. It's addictive as any drug that's out there that you can long for it and desire it and want it and you'll do anything to get it. And the Bible says that it's not good. Amen. So I want to just continue in that. And the fear of man, some of the things we talked about versus the fear of God. Um, The fear of man is about obeying man. Uh, conforming to the system, rules, and, and religion of man, if you will, or the uh, uh, influence of man. Uh, but the fear of God is about obeying God, coming under the influence of God, coming under the things of the Lord and doing what he wants to do. How many believe in your heart that it's better to fear God than to fear man? 
All right? Amen? And it really is. And we talked about how the fear of God is good, isn't it? Fear of God, the Bible says it's good. We talked about the fear of man, how it's a trap. And then we talked about the fear of God is good. And then one of the things we declared is that what the Bible teaches us, what Paul told Timothy while he was in prison, he said that the Lord has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. How many have quoted that a few times in your life? Amen? Come on. You've quoted that. Lord, you haven't given me the spirit of fear, but what? Power? love and a sound mind thank the lord for that amen the third part to that that i want to just finish up on this part and then move to the next and that is this is that the bible teaches us in first john that perfect love cast out fear perfect love cast out fear amen what he's talking about there is that the fear that people had of dying in the old testament that there was a fear of death Amen. How many believe that if you're in Christ, Jesus has dealt with that fear? Jesus has taken away the fear of death. Amen. And so we don't need to be afraid of God because he's going to put us out of uh, his presence for eternity. But through Jesus, we have the promise that we can be brought in to the presence of God for all eternity. And so the Bible declares here in 1 John that perfect love cast out fear. Now he's talking about, uh, you know, from a theological point of view, but how many know we can put this in a practical point of view, right? in In a way, we can put this in a practical way. Perfect love casts out fear. In other words, perfect love equals healthy fear. If you want a healthy fear of the Lord, understand the perfect love that God has for us. Amen. And that through Jesus, everything that Jesus did at Calvary brought a perfect love into our lives. Amen. How many believe that? Amen. That through Jesus, you can know perfect love. Amen. And love, it it means this. Love will not invoke fear. It contains no fear. There is no room in love for fear. That's what he's saying. It's what I like to call fearless love. How many believe that Jesus gives you fearless love? Amen. Fearless love. And so uh, also we have to notice that when fear overtakes God's love, it can lead to compromise. That's why it's important we walk in God's love. Because then we don't walk in fear, but we walk in God's love. Because if we continue to walk in fear, it overtakes God's love and it leads to compromise. Come on. It leads to us worshiping other things and believing other truth or or another truth or another Christ, the Bible says. That we'll follow something else. That we'll listen to something else besides Jesus. Amen. How many know when fear overtakes God's love, it can lead to compromise, right? It can lead to compromise of your faith, the collapse of your faith. And so, I don't know about you, but in the church, I'd rather have God-fearing sinners than compromising Christians. I'd rather have people that don't know the Lord but fear God, amen, than people that know God but are compromising in their faith. But if you're not careful, fear can overtake God's love and lead to compromise. There's also another thing I just want to throw out about this particular scripture that John uh, is giving us, his principle, perfect love casts out fear. And that is this, that there's a difference between fear and foolishness, right? So how many know that uh, we shouldn't live in uh, uh, an unhealthy fear, which is, you know, I'm going to live in a fear that uh, the devil's going to get me, right, any day now, right? Or I'm, gonna, I'm living in sin that I don't even know about, that I'm aware of. How many know that's fear? right? Or that someday God's not going to love me as much as he does. Or uh, I'm afraid of the world and the culture. I'm afraid of death. How many know that's an unhealthy fear? That's an unhealthy fear. But listen, I'm not going to live in that fear. I'm not going to live in that fear that, you know, the devil's around the corner. He's just going to jump on me. And, and next thing you know, I'm, out, I'm just, I'm, I'm possessed and I'm out of my mind, right? Come on, I'm not going to have that fear. 
I'm not going to have that fear that, you know, tomorrow I wake up, God may not lo- love me. He, he may, may just not want me in heaven. And how many know I'm not going to live in that fear? But I'm also not going to live in foolishness. I'm not going to live in the foolishness that says that I don't need the Lord's strength to live this life. I'm not going to live in the foolishness that says that I can live in sin and be okay. How many know that's foolish? How many know it's foolish to think that, I, to think that you're never going to be tempted, that you're more powerful than sin and the devil? Come on, on your own. How many know it's foolish to think that you don't need prayer? It's foolish to think that you don't need the scriptures and that you don't need worship time with God. And, and how many know that's foolish? So I'm not going to live in fear, but I'm also not going to live in foolishness, right? So how many know that perfect love keeps us in that perfect, healthy fear of the Lord? Amen. And so let me just give you these uh, couple things about taking action on fear. How do we take action on fear? Number one, find God's truth, discover God's truth. Not a truth, not your truth. God's truth, amen? So find God's truth about what you're going through in your life, amen, and, and the things that cause you to be afraid. Experience God's love. I mean, that's important that we go back to, amen, a refresher of the cross, amen, of, of what the Lord has done for us and what Jesus did and the, and the power of the blood. So we need to experience God's love. Uh, the third thing is that we need to activate your faith. That's how you overcome fear, activate your faith. Amen, through your thoughts, your words, and your actions, activate your faith, amen. Immediately when that thought comes, deal with it. Immediately begin to, uh, you know, quote God's word and, and put your trust in the Lord, amen. Activate your faith. And then the fourth thing is reveal your fears to others. The Bible says that when we begin to confess our faults to one another, we're healed. Amen. There's an opportunity for us to be healed. How many believe that? Now, this bio, the scripture we read in John chapter 12, it talks about this. It says they were afraid to be put out of the synagogue because they loved the praise of man rather than the praise of God. Now, I want you to think of that. We all understand this, and this is what I'm going to talk about for a few minutes, the praise of man. But we really maybe don't think about this part of it, the praise of God. Have you ever thought about that? Praise that comes from God. That's not... Uh, you know, uh, uh, kind of uh, um, pharisaical or, or heretical. That's not, that's not heresy. That's not saying God worships you. What it's saying is that God uh, accepts you, that God approves of you. Come on, somebody. Amen. That there is a praise from God. There is a, the, the applause or accolades from God, amen, that we need to be more concerned about. So what it comes down to is the praise for man is about pleasing people. That's what it's about, looking good in front of people, putting on a show in front of people, getting the acceptance of people. But the praise from God is about pleasing God. How many believe that? The praise from God. That's not God worshiping you, saying you're, you know, you're the best, you're the chosen one. No, that's not what that is. That's the Lord, amen, letting you know how much he loves you, he values you, and his purpose that he has for you, amen. How many know it's no important to please God than to please people? Anybody? How many have ever been caught up in that rat race of pleasing people? You found yourself that, that in, in maybe in some point in your life that that's all you were doing is trying to please people. Amen. I'm not talking about when you were little, obeying your parents and doing what you're told or doing a good job at work. That's what I'm talking about. Come on, amen. Well, I'm not, I'm about pleasing God, so I don't have to worry about my performance test at work and I can do a sloppy job. How I many you know that's not what the Lord's talking about? Amen. But, 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 but it's being afraid of people. It's, it's worrying about them. But it's also desiring that addictive drug of acceptance from other people. 
Think about it. Some of the words that uh, really the word praise of men, what it craves is it uh, craves acceptance and approval, attention, applause, accolades, and affirmation from people. Man, I get all A's on that one, right? How many A's are in that one, right? Think about it. I was like, wow, that's a lot of A's. I could probably add a couple more, but I'll spare you. Anyways, but one of the things I've realized about the praise of man is it's always at the mercy of people's desires. Jesus found this out because one day they wanted to crown him. The next day they wanted to crucify him. How many know you're always at the mercy of people's desires and you can't please that? It goes to any length to get attention. Think about what Jesus said about the Pharisees. They'll, they'll blow horns in public to let everybody know they're fasting. They'll put uh, ashes on their body to let everybody know how spiritual they are. They'll wear these long robes, all these colors in it to let everybody know, look how godly I am. How many know it goes to any length to get attention? Unfortunately, we see this with young people. The young ladies go to any length to get attention of a young man. Come on, they go against everything that's right, everything they've been taught, everything that's moral and decent, just to get the approval and attention of one young man. Think about it. Amen. So how many know it craves this, right? It goes to any length to get attention or acceptance from other people, and it always puts on that show. This is what Jesus said that's so dangerous about the praise of men, that you don't even love God anymore. You're just putting on a show. You're just showing up at church. You're just doing a religious duty. You just do it because everybody else will think you're a Christian. And then you just post all that stuff because you want people to believe that you have a perfect life, a perfect marriage, a perfect job, that you've got the perfect whatever, and look at you. I mean, no. Amen. you got to be careful with posting things and, and social media that it's not about the praise of men. Anybody? Come on, and all the teenagers said, amen, right? So, you know, one of the things about the praise of men is, is avoids accountability. This is what Jesus said. They avoid accountability, they avoid correction, and they avoid persecution. In fact, the Bible says that one Pharisee did come to Jesus, but he came to him at night because he feared the Jews. Because anybody would see him. So, yeah, I don't want anybody to see that I love Jesus. I don't want anybody to know that I'm a Christian. I don't want anybody to, I mean, I believe it, I really do. And I'm an on fire Christian, but I'll never show anybody. How many know that's the praise of men? You've you got that addictive behavior and that addictive drug is in your system of the praise of men. It really is. And it takes a lot of people out. You, it just, how many know you need deliverance from that? Amen. Just, amen. But it takes men of God. This is what the praise of men does. It takes men of God and changes them into God of men. I've seen it a hundred times, right? And all that it leaves you with, the praise of men, the acceptance of other people, all that it leaves you with is cheap thrills, surface relationships, and temporary satisfaction. But the praise from God gives you peace, gives you joy, gives you strength, gives you that wonderful feeling of satisfaction and fulfillment that I am pleasing God. I don't have to be pleasing people. I don't have to be doing things that are, how many know there's things in our society that are not acceptable to God? And there's things that are acceptable to God that are not pleasing to our society. But how many know we'd rather do what God wants us to do than what other people want us to do? Amen. I'd rather say it. I'd rather do it. Because why? Because I fear God rather than I fear man. I love the praise that God gives me, the acceptance that I have in God, rather than the praise from man. Amen? Amen. And the praise of God. So the praise of man is the addictive drug. The praise from God is the healing medicine that we need. This heals us. Amen? It doesn't leave us, uh, you know, feeling um, just inadequate. But think about this. All right, let's take these same 
definitions, right, of a praise of man. Well, praise from God. What is that? That's the acceptance from God, the approval from God, the attention from God. How many want the attention of God? How many love when God pays attention to you? I love that. Amen. How many know God wants to pay attention to your life every single day? He's watching you. He knows every little thing that's happened to you. I love that from the Lord. How many want the applause from God? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Isn't that what every one of us want to hear at the end of our lives? We want that applause from heaven. Like, you did it. Right? That applause. Think about it. Is that what I want? Jesus saying, look, I'd rather have that. That's what you need to go after. The applause from God. The accolades from God. The reward that comes from God. How many know sometimes you're praying for a house, for a blessing of the Lord, but yet God gives you joy, which is better than a house. There's just accolades from God that you can't put a price tag on. There's just things, the blessings of the Lord, the reward that comes from the Lord, that nobody in this world can reward you like that. Nobody can give you peace of mind, but God can bless you with peace of mind. Nobody can give you satisfaction and fulfillment in your heart, but God can give you satisfaction in your heart. You may be a single parent, you may be living this thing on your own, but God can give you that that fulfillment that he's with you and that you're not lonely, amen, that he's with you. Anybody, come on. Amen. And so there's that thing, acceptance from God. How many love that from God? How many just love that he accepted? You came as you were. I mean, he found you on, in the trash, man. He just, on the road uh, that where you were broken and bruised, and he picked you up, and he, he, the Bible says he put your feet on solid ground. Amen. Amen. He poured in the wine and the oil. That was Jesus. Amen. But you know, there's something that we need to uh, talk about here is that it's very interesting to understand that you can't impress God. You cannot impress God. But you can please God. How many know that? You know, you know everybody see the sunset the other night? How many? I mean, I saw the sunset the other night. I was like, that is amazing, right? I love October sunsets. And I tried to take a picture of it, and you're just like, eh, didn't get it. I can't capture it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Right? There's just something about the Lord that I can impress God. He's creating these sunsets. What do I do? I draw a picture of a stick man. Does that impress God? That doesn't impress God, right? I mean, he, he paints a sun, sunset and sunrise every day for us, right? But we can please God. And that's so amazing to know that this God of the universe, this God that is a sovereign and overall, and every, he's just so amazing, you can please God. He can be pleased with our lives. He can just say, well done, That's good. Like he saw in the garden when he saw Adam and Eve and all his creation, what did he say? That's good. Amen? How many know God says that over our lives? That's good. That's good. That's my creation. That's good. All right, let's move on. And I believe that there's a difference, because I need to make this clear, there's a difference between living for the praise of man and being a good example to man. So the Bible teaches that we need to be a good example. Just need to put this little plug in here. Because the Bible says we do need to be an example before the believers. How many know what I'm talking about, right? How many know how many know the Bible says we need how many believe, let's put it this way, we need to be a good example to our children. We need to be a good example to our community. How many believe that, right? And so um, because of that, I think we just need to know the difference that here's the difference. We need to be concerned about what people think, not be controlled by but what people think. That's the difference. How many know, as a father, I'm concerned about what my children think of me, right? But I'm not controlled by what people think of the community of me. That doesn't control me, right? 
How many know there's a difference? So we need to, being that example and, and being the, having the praise of men, that's the difference. So the praise from God is pleasing God. That's what it's about. And so um, how, how do we do that? Let me just go through some things. Number one, I believe that this is how we please God. Number one, our heart posture, right? That, that's the motives of our hearts. It's really our heart condition before the Lord. Uh, i just go through the scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.15 that he died, meaning Jesus. Jesus died for all, so all who live, having received eternal life from him, might live no longer for themselves, to please themselves, but to spend their lives pleasing Christ who died and rose again for them. Amen? See, when my life is about pleasing God, I won't please myself. How many believe that? When your life is about pleasing God, you're not going to please yourself. When you live for yourself, you live according to the flesh. Before you were born again, you lived for yourself. That's all you had was yourself. But how many know we're new, we have new life in Christ? We belong to him. He belongs to us. Now our goal and aim and priority in life and really aim is to please the Lord. Not please ourselves. So the more I please God, the less I want to please myself. And the Bible even says that if I live according to the flesh, I can never please God that way. Think about it. If I live with pride and lust and anger, if that's my life and I'm totally living by those things, the Bible says there's no way I can please God in those things. But when I walk according to the, 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 you know, the scriptures and I have the fruits of the Spirit in my life, this pleases the Lord. How many know it's a heart posture? Anybody? Right? So as a heart posture, here's what's important. You've got to know what's important. You've got to understand the crucible. Understand, know what's important. All right? So my, de- my desire is, is, and the purpose is to please God because, why? Because I know that I am loved, I'm accepted, and I'm valued already. So you have to know that's important because a lot of people are like, well, wait a second. What do I have to do to make God accept me? No, the Bible says that he loves you. The Bible says that God so loved the world. He loves his creation. How many know God loves every single person on the planet? couple Christians. That's amazing. God loves every single person on the planet. That'll never change. You can't do anything to change that. It's God's nature. He loves. God is what? Love. He loves every single person on the planet. He loves you. Amen. This isn't about getting more of God's love in your life and having him love you even more than he does. That's not what this is about. This isn't about God accepting you. The Bible says that if you're in Christ Jesus, you're accepted in the beloved. Right? How many know you're already valued by God? You're his creation. When you were in your mother's womb, before you were born, he formed your eyelashes, your eyeballs, your fingernails, your skin, everything. He made you. You're valued by God. Come on. He values you. So that's not what this is about. What this is about is living a life that's pleasing to God after you're saved. Right? So you got to know that's important. The Bible says we're complete in Jesus. I'm complete in him. I love that about the Lord. So we need to know what's important, and then we need to cultivate honor for God. We touched on this a little bit last week, and that is the fear of God. Right? But here's the thing. is When you're really in love with the Lord, when you're really loving God with all your heart, you want to please God. I don't know one person that says they love God and doesn't want to please God. I mean, if you love God with all your heart, you want to please him, right? And when you want to please the Lord, then you're going to have a fear of the Lord, to honor God. You're going to have a reverence for God. Amen. So here's what's key about this, is cultivating honor in your heart. And that is this, living right and fearing the Lord go hand in hand in the scriptures. Anybody? Let me say it one more time. Living right and fearing God go hand in hand. 
You can't separate them. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. This is one of many scriptures that says this. Wherefore, receiving a kingdom, we received a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear for our God is consuming fire. Amen? How many believe that? How many know a love for God and a fear for God come hand in hand? They just go together, right? Because there's no fear in love, right? Perfect love casts out all fear. I love the Lord. I honor him. It's on my heart. That's where it starts, honoring the Lord in my heart. Jesus said this about the Pharisees. He said that they, they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. So you've got to cultivate honor in your heart first. How many know what I'm talking about? Anybody? You've got to honor the Lord. How many know if it's not in your heart, it's not going to come in your life? I mean, you can play the game for a while. Amen. You can do the things. You can do all the religious stuff. But how many know it's going to come out after a while? Because Jesus said whatever is in the heart is going to come out. How many believe that? So let that start in your heart. Let honoring God, reverencing the Lord in your heart. Amen. For the Lord. How many know when you got, first got saved, how many of you had the experience? Amen. That you uh, cuss like a sailor, right? And then all of a sudden you get saved and you're like, you come into church and, and you're like, uh, I don't want to do that anymore. There's just something in your heart like maybe I shouldn't you know, do, do that anymore. Or maybe, that's just, see, that's how you reverence God in your heart. Amen? Come on. Right? So it's always a part of fearing God or reverencing the Lord, honoring the Lord, and doing his will is, amen, pleasing the Lord. It always goes hand in hand. So you can't talk about one without talking about this. So the first thing is in your heart. Amen? So heart, your heart posture to the Lord. The second thing is... Um, there's only two things, by the way. Two, the second thing is, is lifestyle, right? So how many know if it's in your heart, it's going to come out? If you say, oh, I really love my wife, how many know you're going to be able to see that you love your wife? You're going to be able to hear it, see it, and know it, right? And so there's a lot of people that say, well, I, you know, I love God, but you just never see it in their life. Amen. Jesus, uh, te- or James teaches us that if your faith without action is dead, if you say that you have faith but you have no action, then you really probably don't have good, strong faith, right? If you say you love God but you hate your brother, you really don't love God, really, is what he's saying. So how many know that's, that's possible? So we've got to have this in our lifestyle, our actions. Pleasing God is in your living because of what Jesus did on the cross. That's what it simply means. In other words, it's my lifestyle. I mean, I just, I just live to please God. That's, it's part of my lifestyle. It's who I am. I live to please God. Why? Because of what he did at Calvary and what he's given me through Jesus Christ. Another scripture in Hebrews chapter 13 says this, uh, verse 21, that, that God equips you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to him be all the glory forever. Think about it. So God's working in us and helping us do what he wants us to do to please him. Not to please ourselves, but to please him. Amen. How many know if you do what God wants you to do, amen, sorry, if you do what God wants you to do, you're going to be happy, you're going to be successful, you're going to be blessed, right? Anybody? So let's just talk about this real quick, the lifestyle. What does that mean, lifestyle? Number one, as we talk about pleasing God or lifestyle, number one, we live up to the word. We live up to the word. The Bible says this, that we live worthy of the calling or we live worthy to what God has called us to. Colossians chapter 1 verse 10. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing forth fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. This is what God wants you to do. How many know if it's in your lifestyle that you're going to live according to the word of God? Anybody? You're going to live according to not your own truth, not your own way, not your own uh, perspective on things, but you're going to live according to God's word. How many know we need to live up to the word? 
Anybody? Live up to the word. And, and that's what the Holy Spirit doing in our life, helping us live up to the word. Or it means this, to live in such a way. Live in such a way that glorifies God. Live in such a way. Live up to the call of God in your life. I believe he says live, uh, Paul says that we need to live a life worthy of the calling that we have in Jesus Christ. How many believe that? Amen? So God has called us to his kingdom and his glory for his purposes, and that's what we need to live up to. I'm not living up to what you think I should do or how you think I should be a pastor. I'm not living up to that. I'm not living up to what the world says a Christian should look like. Come on, somebody. I'm living up to what the scriptures say a Christian looks like. Amen? Amen? Right? And also what my wife says I need to do as a husband. All right, amen. So, amen. But listen, listen to this. I, I, I went through some of these scriptures and I realized when he begins to talk to this one church, the Thessalonica church, right? In Thessalonians, he says this, that you need to live up to the word. You need to live worthy, even in suffering, even in affliction, even in persecution, in the face of cultural adversity, you need to live worthy of the call that's in Christ Jesus. You've got to live up to the word, even though you're going through affliction, even though you're being persecuted, even though you're going through hard times and suffering and going through pain. How many know you still need to live up to the word? Oh, well, I'm being tempted all the time. Well, I, or I'm, you know, the, I mean, I just can't take it at work. I mean, you know, the pressure at work is so tremendous. I mean, I, I can't help but, you know, I, got, I can't talk about Jesus, but I got to do what they do. How many know it doesn't matter what you're going through, where you're at, you need to live up to the word? Anybody? Why? Because we, we fear God more than man. Because we're living for the praise of God. Then how to please God more than how to please ourselves or please other people. So not only is it in living up to the word, but it is demonstrating acceptable actions. We have to demonstrate these things. There are so many scriptures on this, and I only want to give a few. David wrote in the Psalms, Let my spoken words and my unspoken thoughts be acceptable to you, O Lord. Amen. In Romans, Paul wrote this in uh, three different chapters, but I'm going to bring out two. He said, because of the mercy that God has shown us, we need to live, be a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is the least we can do because of what he did on the cross for us. When you change the way you think, Romans 12, when you change the way you think, you begin to understand what is good, what is acceptable, what is perfect will of God, Right? And then later on he says, when you walk in righteousness, peace, and joy, you become acceptable to God and approved by men. Isn't that amazing? Well, that doesn't mean that people are going to like you. What it simply means is that Christianity is made real to other people. That's what it means. So when you walk in righteousness, peace, and joy, you're going to make Christianity real to other people. That's what it says. God is going to be, you know, be accepted. It's going to be pleasing to God. That's going to please God. But it's also a testimony to other people. So in, just like in the Old Testament, Peter says this, just like in the Old Testament, the priests offered praise to God. So we now are spiritual priests who offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God because of what Jesus did. So how many know in the Old Testament is all about God being pleased with the sacrifice? How many know it was all about it? I mean, if he wasn't pleased, you're toast. You're done, Right? <laughs> you had to do everything right. But through Christ, it makes it acceptable as we now are spiritual priests and we have to offer spiritual sacrifice, but they have to be acceptable. How many know they still have to be acceptable? I said they still have to be acceptable. How many know you can't love God and love money at the same time? The Bible says you're going to love one or the other. 
I can't love money and then say I love God. I can't hate other people and say I love God. I mean, no, there's got to be one or the other. Amen? That's what the Bible says. And so I have to demonstrate acceptable actions, things that are acceptable. And then the third thing is, is that I need to please God in all things. That's what pleasing God really comes down to everything. Everything God is pleased. Everything in my life. See, we, we, we have this, you know, again, we got to get through this, this. I got two different people living the life. I got the church me, then I got me, you know, work me, then I've got the family me, then I've got, how many know it's all one me? <laughs> you know, just one Christian. That's just one person. And so when we come into God's house, it's what we've been doing all the time. All the week. Come on, we've been worshiping God, thanking God, praising God, loving God. Amen. Loving other people. When we come to church, when we leave church, we're not angry, hypocritical, you know, backbiters. No, we're the same person. Amen? We need to please God in all things. Everything God needs to be pleased in. In my job, in my marriage, and raising my family, and my thoughts, and my heart. Everything God needs to be pleased in. It's amazing what some Christians think that only pleases God. Going to church, right? Paying tithes once in a while. Showing up for Easter program. Giving to the poor. I did my thing. How many know that's minimal, right? That's not what he's talking about here. That's not, he's not talking about scraping the bottom. He's talking about in all things that we strive to please the Lord. In all things, in every, in every place. It's for him, to him, and about him. That's what it's about, pleasing God in all things. How many know it's about him? It's not about me, it's about him. It's about Jesus, it's about him. And my life is about him. Whether I'm being blessed, whether I'm going through a hard time, it's for him, to him, about him, amen. It's amazing when our lives are going well, everything's clicking, money's coming in, we're successful, we look great, and next thing you know, we get the credit. And we're, right, right, and we, okay. But when we're going through hard times, with difficult situations, we experience loss and depression and anxiety, next thing you know, it's like, it's all God's fault. <laughs> Amen. How I many know we need to please God in all things? So that whether we're, whether on the mountain, in the valley, we bless the Lord, we please God. Whether we're, things are going well or not going well, we please God. Amen. We live a life that's worthy, acceptable, and pleasing to the Lord. Amen. And it's all because of what Jesus did at Calvary. Amen. And I'm finishing up with this thought. Is that you can have confidence, as the Bible teaches us. You can have confidence in your prayers. The Bible says that when you're obeying the Lord and you're doing the things that please Him, your prayers are answered. Isn't that neat? Amen. Isn't that great? Someone said, well, God didn't answer my prayer. Well, I kind of go through a checklist a little bit. Am I living right? Am I doing what God wants me to do? Have I forgiven other people? How many know if you don't forgive other people, that's a hindrance to your prayers? That's what Jesus teaches us. Amen? And so pleasing God brings a couple things. It brings boldness. When I begin to please God and worry about the praise that comes from God, I'm bold. I'm bold in my faith. I'm bold in my testimony. I'm bold. I can take bold steps of faith. I'm confident. Not cocky or arrogant, but confident in the Lord. How many know David was confident when he ran to meet the giant? Amen? And, so, and also, it brings uh, encouragement to my faith, strength to my faith, my love towards God. And it puts priority in my life when I begin to please God. When I focus on pleasing God, it puts priority in my life. Amen. How many know when you seek to please the Lord in your, in your business, in your job, then you put the Lord first? You don't put your job first, money first, then somewhere your family's down here and God's way over there. Amen. Come on. How many know it puts priority in your life? Amen. And so we need to understand that. And it gives us the love. And one of the things I just want to finish with this, this pleasing God is so important. Why it's so important is in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, probably one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. Um, 
besides Galatians 2.20. I love that one too. Amen. But he says this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. He says, Paul's teaching the, the church there. He says that you need to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Right? And we can get into that. It's another message. But in verse 13. For it is God which works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. He's helping you do what he wants. He's giving you the how-to, the will, and the want-to to do what his will. Amen. To act according to his good purpose. To work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. How do you know? When you have that perspective, you understand that it's my part, but it's also God's part. How do you know pleasing God is all about my part? I'm doing my part. But how do you know it's about God's part too? Amen. And God's working with us. That's what I love about the Lord. The Lord gives us this task. Like Moses. Oh yeah, Moses. You know, there's a revival down in Egypt. And you're the evangelist. And you're going to call these people out. Three million plus people. You're going to bring them out of Pharaoh. And all these plagues are going to happen. And, 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 and what a call of God, right? But then he says what? Get, I'm going to be with you. So how many know whatever the Lord tells you to do, he's always with you to do it. He always gives you the strength to do it. He never says good luck. You know, the Lord doesn't walk out the door. He's like, okay, good luck with that. He's like, this is what I want you to do, and I'm going to empower you to do it. Right. Doesn't that sound cool? That sounds easy, doesn't it? Amen. And just say, okay, Lord, I'm going to do that. I'm going to cooperate with you. But when I don't want to do it, and I don't try, and I don't really put an effort into it, how many know it's very hard? Amen. But when I cooperate with the Lord, the Bible says that he's working inside me. He's doing something in my life to help me to do his will. That I, I will do everything that will please him in my life. That I won't, uh, you know, really be worried about the praise of men. But he's working my life such a way that I'll be focused on the praise of God. Pleasing God. Think about it. Lord, you're working with me today. And like that song that we sang today, sometimes you don't see it. Sometimes we don't feel it. But God's working. It's God's working in our lives. We have to trust and believe that. I'm not, I'm not preaching a message that you needed to strive on your own and do all these works and, and prove yourself. That's not what I'm preaching about today. What I'm preaching about is pleasing God. Not being afraid of people, not being concerned about the praise of people and caught up with that, but fearing God and being concerned about pleasing God. Amen? How many want to do that in your life? Amen? How many believe it's your part and God's part? Amen? How many believe that? Can we stand on our feet today? I love that promise from the Lord because he never leaves you by yourself. Amen. I love that. Let me just finish by kind of just going over what we talked about. The praise from man is about pleasing people. The praise from God is about pleasing God. The fear of man is about obeying man and, and being influenced by people. But the fear of God is about obeying God. It's about living by the religion of man versus the relationship with God. I don't know if you've ever been in that place, but it's about pleasing, pleasing people brings fear. It really does. There's a trap of fear, the Bible says. It's a snare. You can't get out of it. It just it, it cuts you off from a lot of things. Pleasing people brings fear. Pleasing God brings peace and freedom. If you need peace and freedom in your life in certain areas and you're just constantly afraid, constantly with people afraid if they're going to say what they're going to do, you need peace in your life. You need to come to a place where you're absolutely free to open your mouth and talk about Jesus. Absolutely free to do God's will. Come on, somebody. Amen. Anytime you feel that you're bound and you're held back from doing God's will, you need to break through. You need to get free. And so I don't know about you, but you know, maybe today you're struggling with this, but Pleasing God isn't about, oh, I need to strive and I need to, I need to prove myself. No, you're already valued, you're already loved, you're already accepted by God. You need to know that. This isn't about that. This is about what God wants you to do from this point on. Amen?
Thank God you were baptized, filled the Holy Spirit, new life in Christ. That's so amazing. But now you've got to live the life. Now you've got to do acceptable actions. Now you've got to have your faith. Amen. Live your faith out loud. And now you've got to declare that Jesus is Lord. Not be afraid what people are going to say. Amen. And this is really relevant to our culture today. But you know, fear produces insecurity and uncertainty. And if you have insecurity in your life and uncertainty constantly over and over again, there may be this element of fear that's working overtime and you, and you really got to, amen, break free of it. But trust in the Lord produces stability and boldness. When you trust God, when you're not afraid of what people are going to do to you is, and, and persecute you and you're just so bold for the Lord because you love God, you love people so much, amen, how many know, it just, it, there's stability there, there's boldness there. People begin to say all kinds of things against you and it doesn't bother you. I mean, they, they can hate you as Jesus said, put them out of their company and say all kinds of nasty things about you on Facebook and you're just like, that's okay, right? Because we're, we're, we're more about the fear of God and the stability and boldness that comes from trusting in the Lord. And the praise of men is that addictive drug, but the praise of God is that healing medicine that we need today. Amen? Without God, I, I believe that the trap, there's a trap of fearing people and that drug of people's praise. But God offers this today. Amen? The Lord offers this to us today. He offers us protection and fulfillment. He offers us satisfaction and peace of mind. This is what he offers us as we fear him and want to please God. Amen? How many say, I want to walk in the fear of the Lord? I want to please God. I don't want to be afraid of what people say or do in this culture and day. So I, I may be put out of their company. I may be blacklisted. I may be the black sheep. I don't, you know, some of us just need to put that aside and say, I'd rather fear God than fear people. I'd rather please God than try to please other people. Amen? And what they want me to be and who they want me to say. How many know we need to be more concerned about what God thinks about us than what other people think about us? Amen? I don't know about you, but maybe you're bound by that. Maybe you're bound by fear and intimidation and you just feel like I can't open my mouth and talk about Jesus. The Lord wants to set you free today. God wants you to give you that boldness. Amen. If you have the Holy Spirit, you've got all the boldness that you need. Amen. You've got the fire of God. Amen. I mean, that's, that's incredible. You've got the electricity of God. You've got the TNT, if you will, of the Lord. Amen. There's just that dunamis power, that miracle explosion of power in your life that God wants to give you to overcome fear today. And maybe you're really struggling with fear and anxiety about what's happening in our culture, about what people are saying and what's happening in your family and about sickness that's in your body. Whatever, whatever the case may be, I want you to just put all that to rest today and put your hope in the Lord and don't let your heart be troubled. Amen? Can we pray?